Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordane Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are talking about a very special film. It's 1989's Chances Are, directed by Emile Ordelino and written by Perry and Randy Howes. So I guess a, a brother duo here. It's very weird that two brothers came together to write this movie. Uh, yeah. Specifically, like this is <laughs> specifically. A weird... There's so much family sexuality going on in this movie. The fact that brothers wrote it together. I have a lot of questions about the nature of their brotherhood. So this director, Ardolino, is most known for directing previous episode, Dirty Dancing, and the original Sister Act. Okay, so we got a good we got a good, you know, history here. Yeah. Filmography. I mean, this is, this is someone who knows I mean, what they're doing. Yeah. And I mean we've got um, an insane cast. We've got Sybil Shepherd, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan O'Neill, Mary Stuart Masterson, like that's oh yeah, and we got Christopher McDonald as the dead guy. And look, yeah. we got another dead guy. <laughs> I know. I'm we're like on a on a roll of dead guys. <laughs> People who die and then inhabit other shapes. This is maybe the only movie where I've ever seen Christopher McDonald play a character who was not the bad guy. Yeah, he gets to be the perfect man in many ways. He is unsmudged because anything you find out about him that maybe you don't like, it's all pinned on Robert Downey Jr. really (laughs) through the way the film is made. So, (laughs) a complicated... The film starts in 1964, where it's like Christopher McDonald is like a hotshot district attorney, and he's got the perfect woman, Corinne, and it, they get married. And at the at the altar, Ryan O'Neill, who plays Christopher McDonald's best friend, is like, "Oh, I've always loved Corinne," and, and, and Christopher McDonald replies, "I know." And he, just, like, no tension at all. He's just like, yeah, and you lost, bitch. Like- yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> he's so relaxed. He's like, yeah, I mean, Corinne is Sybil Shepherd, So he's just like, of course you love her. It's fine. You know, I'm marrying her. So, you know, you can hang out with us. But that's about it. <laughs> like, he's, like, so unbothered. It's actually awesome. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I understand it. Right, like who wouldn't be? But you know, re- it's my wedding day, so I'm gonna enjoy it. And then that's like that's how we meet the characters. So we immediately have this third wheel dynamic, this kind of love triangle dynamic. Yeah, yeah. And so, but then you know, he gets hit by a car and is instantly reborn. And there's a whole scene where Christopher McDonald is just like in heaven, where he's just like, I gotta go back, I gotta go back, and. I gotta go back as myself, and they're just, like, impossible. And so they make him, you know, like a baby, and that baby grows up to be Robert Downey Jr., who is playing a 23-year-old character in this movie. I actually don't... I mean, he's definitely young. He was 26, 27 when this was made, Mm -hmm. yeah. So he was a couple years older than his character, but not much. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he goes to Yale, of course. These are rich white people. Uh, so Robert Downey Jr., he goes to Yale. He meets Mary Stuart Masterson, who is 
Sybil Shepherd and Christopher McDonald's daughter, and it's a, an immediate attraction. And somehow he manages to weasel his way, like actually in multiple places. Because one, then he goes, he goes to like the Washington Post and is like. I met, he tries to get a meeting with, like, the editor-in-chief, and it's like, I met you once, and you said when I finished school, you know, come see come see you for a job when I finished school, which is so funny, because that's, like, just a thing that people say. Yeah, so right. All the time. Exactly, but he was very <laughs> earnest about the fact that he was given this promise that after school, he could follow this lead, right? He could follow this lead for a potential job. And he, the one of the funny things is, he gets rejected from going into the office because the woman at the front door calls the editor-in-chief and the editor-in-chief doesn't recognize Robert Downey Jr.'s name. So then he dresses up like a delivery guy so he can sneak in. And when he's in the elevator, he just starts eating the food in the bag and everyone's looking at him (laughs) because it's like a (laughs) delivery bag. And it was just one of my favorite details was just him completely unbothered, like, eh, whatever, I'll just like go in and then take off the delivery clothes because he has another outfit. So that's how he gets into the meeting at the Washington Post. He's so confident. Well, then also Ryan O'Neill runs into him and is immediately like drawn to him. Like he knows that this is the reincarnation of my dead best friend. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And like vouches for him and everything. He still doesn't get the job, but it's like, it's very clear. Like if I had just started my career and I had an interaction that had gone that well, I'd be like, oh, I'm fine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, these people respect me. They're not giving me a job, but they respect me. I mean, yeah, they give him an interview. They give him the dignity of an interview. They're yeah. not like, hey, do you want to be our intern and carry our coffee? You know, they're like, yeah. all right, you know what? You're the editor in chief is obviously annoyed. And he's like, who is this fucking kid? But Ryan O'Neill's like, hey, this kid has chops. Oh, well, yeah. You know, I and, mean, I feel like it's like a you got moxie kid kind of situation. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I mean, let's be real. He's a white guy from Yale. So, you know, moxie. <laughs> And like he has that going for him. But also one of the weird things about this whole dynamic of him going to the Washington Post and something I noticed about this movie at large is that it just has really big holes that it never quite explains. So we don't really know anything about Robert Downey Jr.'s parents, his reincarnation parents. Mm -hmm. Right. We know that his dad runs a laundromat, but that's all we know. But he is living in his car when he goes to ask for an interview. He is essentially homeless. And that is one of the big plot points is that he's living in his car and Ryan O'Neill finds out. And we don't know why. We don't know why he's living in his car. We know that he went to Yale. Obviously, you can get a scholarship to Yale, you know, and not not come from money. But we have no idea any of the context of him and his family, what his housing was before. And it's a pretty big plot point. To never explain. Well, yeah. I mean, his financial situation is, like, really, honestly, the most relatable thing about him. Like, the moment that Agreed. I finished at NYU, I was immediately, like, my landlord was just like, okay. I, they were, like, threatening eviction. So, like, there's never an eviction notice. But, like, right. it was kind of just like, if you don't fucking leave the thing. So, it, I... <laughs> So that's just so relatable because it's like college really is like a very small sliver of time where you can feel secure as an adult. And then immediately afterwards, it's just like you're fucked. Yeah, exactly. And that was why I was so I really kept waiting for the movie to give us that context because I was curious about it because it was one of the only elements of the movie that both was interesting and relatable to me and felt realistic in certain ways and then unrealistic in others, depending on how you looked at it. Because on one hand, we don't know 
the way he talks about his life makes it sound like he's been privileged, but in other ways it doesn't. So you really want to know why. And this is the whole reason like Ryan O'Neill is already drawn to him, but Ryan O'Neill picks up on the fact that he is living out of his car and is like, why don't you come over for dinner? And that's when things really get set in motion. Yeah. So the moment that he comes over for dinner, it's so wild because he lives in this house for the rest of the movie. No one kicks him out. No one's like, are your parents coming to pick you up? And even when he like, and also he like wreaks havoc in this house and all these white people are just like, whenever, (laughs) whenever Sybil Shepard, like very rightly is just like, he needs to leave. Mary Stuart Masterson or like Ryan O'Neill is just like, why? Why does he? have to leave your house that we don't own yeah (laughs) it's it's such a again it's like this plot point is such a major part of why everything in the movie happens and he never really even like he's charming i mean it's a young robert downey jr and him and ryan o'neill already have this connection and you know once he realizes mary stewart masterson lives there who he's met once at the library and they had this exchange where he like basically deleted her fine because he was working at the library at the school and you know yeah he deleted her life which is actually a really I mean that I was like do. that's actually a really good meet cute and I'm yeah. actually surprised I think this is the first meet cute of that specific type that I've ever seen we need more library meet cute I love a library meet cute because there it's quiet there's all this kind of context for you know tension yeah. and you know they're making the eye contact and also you know he finds out what classes she's in and even if it wasn't for school it could just be what kinds of books she's into i think that's a great meet cute yeah yeah they're yeah it's it's very adorable and i will say that they have they have like nice chemistry i mean mary stewart masterson was very big in the 80s i mean she was in a lot of stuff she's in fried green tomatoes which is maybe her most like well-known film but like she's in some kind of wonderful playing the butch dyke of my dreams although she's not a dyke in that movie but like come i on. mean but she is come on but yeah she is. yeah she is like she absolutely she, is. <laughs> she yeah so she was and he was big in the 80s too he was a whole he had a whole 80s moment he was on snl for like one season him and i thinking about him and anthony michael hall getting hired to be on snl just because they were popular in john hughes movies and shit is so weird and would never happen now and they were both really bad on the show yeah yeah that was such a specific moment I, I feel like of that was like 1985 like around that yeah. Yeah, that was definitely the mid eighties. Little babies, just Just little babies like trying to riff and not having the sketch chops. Just like putting like Timothy Chalamet on the SNL. Oh God! The unfortunate thing is, there's enough fans of him that would just like be like, "Yeah, we like this." Oh my God! Like if he was awkward, they'd be like, "That's so funny." (laughs) Like if he didn't have good comedic timing, they'd be like, "That's kind of just his thing." Timmy, one of the scariest groups. Very, very scary. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. also has a hive, which I am not part of because I I don't like him. Yeah. What's okay? So before we started recording, I mentioned, uh, dear listeners, I mentioned that I found Robert Jr. Robert Downey Jr. very attractive in this movie, but also I still find him attractive. And Jordan was very much not in the same boat and hates him. And I want to know why. I wanted to save that question for the podcast. <laughs> I mean, my reasons for not liking him are political, kind of, but like, it, which sucks because, like, I know, I get it. I'm a hypocrite. I love Adam Sandler. And whenever anybody mentions that he's a Republican, I'm just like, so? But here's the thing, though. 
Adam Sandler never talks about politics. Never. So him being a Republican, like, is somehow less annoying than Robert Downey Jr., who is like, once again, I guess he's not as vocal. He's not like John Voight levels, but whenever he does talk about politics, I want to punch him in the face. I just do. What's one of the worst things he said about politics? I'm earnestly asking this because I just look at him. I don't really pay attention to what he says. So, I mean, that, that is the way to engage with Robert Downey yeah. Jr. Well, Robert Downey Jr., I mean, everybody knows this. He did a lot of coke. Um, yep. Coke got really bad in the 90s. He got, they had to take him off Ally McBeal. Sarah Jessica Parker dumped him. It was like a whole thing. But so like, and you know, he was in prison for a while. And when, but he's one of those people where he gets out of prison and he's just like, this is great. I'm so glad that I had this experience. He just really respects prison. Oh, <laughs> yeah. This is why I do not like him. I don't like that either. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, just, oh, this taught me a lot. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're alive and you're out of there. So yeah, it's that's like, not... it's like prison got you clean. It's like, yeah, but isn't that depressing? Right. Isn't it depressing that it was prison that did it? Yeah. Like, I just don't know. I wait, just... wait. Yeah, yeah. It's like, is the takeaway from this that prison is a good tool I for... I really... Yeah, it's like... He's like, see, prison works because I'm clean now. Prison, I'm going to ignore yeah. everything else about the prison, prison system. works. Yeah. Yes. I also just like really hate. I just really hate Iron Man also as a character. I just don't. I mean, I, he is a douchebag. Like it's just he's he, and he's just not a douchebag in a way that I respect. He's like you're a douchebag and you're doing war crimes. Yeah, it's like he's not. There's so many villains or superhero characters that are douchebags in really interesting, specific ways where maybe there's an aspect of their douchery, but that you kind of agree with or you understand how they got there. And with him, it's just like, what if I was the biggest and baddest and look at my suit? You know, what it's if, like just like it's like a four year old's logic, but then he's grown. What if what if I made weapons go pew, 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 pew? Exactly. And then there's like the heavy rock riff that was like downloaded from Garage Band. Like from not Garage Band, um Rock Rock. It was like rock, oh my god. Why am I forgetting? Like, I'm like short circuiting on that like game. That game that we all band. Rock Band, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It is just rock band. I yeah, had this no, I had this moment band. in my head where I was like, what was that called? Was it called Rock Band? Yeah, it really it was, was called Rock Band. Called the two thousand tens were wild. <laughs> <laughs> Dance Dance Revolution, Rock Band. What a what a time. Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What a time. But yeah, this is why. I mean, he he also just has like a habit. Like, I just don't understand the black community's relationship with Robert Downey Jr. and why it is that we accept him. I was not invited to that meeting. I don't understand. Oh, is, is he popular? I feel like he is. I feel like black people love Robert Downey Jr. Like, I feel Interesting. like I'm the only... You're the only one. You're the only one. <laughs> You're like, I'm actually the only one. The only one who does it. But yeah, no, I mean, he, but like, you know, as a performer, I do think that he, you know, is, is good in times. He's, he's good in this with a pretty difficult role because he's playing both a 23 year old and a man who would definitely be middle-aged by now. Right, a, a dead middle-aged guy. So, like... You know, just, classic. And he's just trying to go back and forth between the two. But it's... This movie has one of the most disturbing love triangles we've ever done on the podcast because it's a love triangle between 
a man, his wife, and his daughter. Yes. That's like one layer of it. Yeah. And there's also the layer of it where he's just a 23-year-old guy who likes another like age-appropriate girl, but he's also her dad. Yeah. And he's also in love with her mom, and it's just... And meanwhile, his best friend, who is, you know, technically the godfather of his daughter, Ryan Mm O'Neill, has been hanging out and pretty much playing dad this whole time. Like, they pretty much live together but they don't sleep together. It's a, it's a platonic family kind of setup. but he's madly in love with Sybil Shepard. So there's also a love triangle with his best friend from before he died and his wife. <laughs> so all, so both of the love triangles are about as fucked up as you could get. It's really? I mean, really only in 1989, like this is, this is the kind of movie that could only be made between the years of 1984 and 1995. Like, anywhere past that point, it's impossible. Nobody would do this. Yeah, no, I mean, the choices that were made here, there are so many of them. Because it doesn't... Because whoever, whichever woman he ends up with, it's gross. It's gross no matter it's what. Gross. It's gross no matter There's what. no good ending to the story. And, like, one of the, one of the major turning points in the movie or one of one of the major plot parts is that when he's in heaven they give each person an inoculation before they're reincarnated and the inoculation makes you forget your past life so that you don't have this kind of situation right yeah so that if you happen to fall in love with your daughter it's totally fine because she's not your daughter because you're just i guess the same spirit but with no memories in in a new body that's Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot to unpack there we would need to have like a medium or a psychic here to really help us with that but he so he doesn't know he doesn't remember his life before he doesn't grow up remembering his life before so it's not like he's had his whole life as a young man remembering being you know a man before however when he does meet you know me quote in quotes Sybil Shepherd again he starts getting these memories because he didn't get inoculated in heaven because and I love this detail <laughs> The employee in heaven was really drained. <laughs> he was like really tired. And then and then basically he, uh, Christopher McDonald slash Robert Downey Jr.'s character ran really fast because he wanted to be reincarnated. So he didn't get inoculated. So there's this interesting thing that Robert Downey Jr. has to do where he has to start remembering his past life as a 23-year-old. So when he first falls for his daughter, he, of course, doesn't know it's his daughter. He's just, it's just, she's just another 23-year-old. And then he starts to realize, wait, I recognize her mom because his wife, Sybil Shepard, was pregnant when he died. So he'd never met his daughter even as a baby. So he, he's starting to remember this after he's already kissed his daughter, which is so fucked up. I, yeah. <laughs> like, imagine. Just, I just, it's, so, and and so he, it's weird because, like, he's also in a bad position where, like, he emotionally, he wants to fuck Sybil, but physically it's clear that he wants to fuck Mary Stuart Masterson. And the fact that he, and whenever Mary Stuart Masterson, like, tries to kiss him or tries to do anything, he just, like, starts talking to her like a dad. Like, there's a scene where he's just like, isn't it past your bedtime? She's 23 years old. It's so (laughs) awful. It's so awful. And I kept thinking, I kept thinking, okay, how does he solve this 
without telling her because she's not going to believe him because he doesn't have any way to prove it to her because it's not like they had memories that he can reference, right? So he doesn't really have any way to prove it to her. He, whereas with Sybil Shepherd and Ryan O'Neill, eventually he's able to prove it to both of them because he can bring up things that no one else would know, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, with Mary Stuart Masterson, he just goes into dad mode, but it's obvious that the 23-year-old part of him is still very much attracted to her, and it's so disturbing because he just comes off as the most patronizing man in his 20s, which there are many of those that exist, so, you know, in some ways it just prepares her for dating, but it's, damn. It's so funny because, like, what she, what she tells Ryan O'Neill is, like, she talks to me, he talks to me like a dad, and he's just like, well, you know, these things take time. And it's like, what do you mean? What the fuck does that mean? He has to stop being your dad eventually. Don't worry. Stop talking to you this way. It's not going to get worse over time, which is what usually happens. Yeah. And he goes, he's like, he's like, yeah, don't give up, which makes no sense in this context. One of my pet peeves that I come across a lot in the podcast is people giving the worst advice possible. First of all, blanket advice that does not apply to the situation and don't give up is one of them that is often given in these movies to a character when it makes no sense. Don't give up would make sense as romantic advice if you're in a long-term relationship and you're going to therapy and like the relationship is healthy in a lot of ways, but you have like some things you need to work through, you know, don't give up. Yeah. Or maybe like you are out there dating and you feel like you're getting rejected a lot by people in general. Don't give up is a good thing, but don't give up when someone's clearly not into you is not good advice. You need to move on. You should give up and move on for your sake and their sake. <laughs> like she's like, yeah, I'm well, getting I mean, treated I mean, really weirdly I mean, by this guy. And then Ryan O'Neill's like, don't give up. Just I mean, let him treat you weird. I mean, like that's, I mean, that's the kind of advice that a man who has been obsessed with the same right for all these years would be and it's just i mean fair yeah he he's giving his advice that he lives by because he's been obsessed with Sybil shepherd for 20 years i which is so <laughs> i yeah it, it's it, it this is such a weird movie and i mean okay so performance wise like Sybil shepherd amazing just oh, beautiful radiant yes. Gorgeous, funny, great comedic timing. Just like it, it's very clear because it's Sybil Shepherd is one of those movie stars where like she kind of gets skipped over when we talk about like classic movie stars. Like I think a lot of women who were big in the seventies get skipped over because people don't think about the seventies women in seventies films as like the stars because that was around the time where directors kind of became the stars and so we remember like Dennis Hopper and you know you know Cassavetes and stuff like that like absolutely we think about the men but we don't think about the women it's like Sybil was killing it in like everything I mean specifically in Bogdanovich movies which I mean because they had an affair and that was like a whole thing and then they got together but you know but she's she's like the real deal maybe one of one of the last like kind of like classic lady like movie stars you know what i mean i totally know what you mean she's a leading lady yeah and she has versatility and she has presence and she has character and i mean she's gorgeous like she's absolutely commanding the screen and that's one thing about this plot because Obviously, this plot, it's a hijinks movie, right? Yeah. It's a ridiculous plot. There's a lot to unpack psychologically and that the movie doesn't, the movie plays with, but it's not really trying to do that. It's just trying to show what would happen if this, ha- you know, what would happen in this crazy scenario. Yeah. But if, if this movie would be really difficult to watch, if Sybil Shepard 
and Robert Downey Jr. I mean, all the performances, in my opinion, are really strong. But if they weren't so committed to it, <laughs> because some of the lines, some of the scenes would just be such a massively different experience if they didn't decide, yeah, I am going to commit to this bonkers she's movie. So, when, there, so there are all these scenes with her and her therapist, like talking about the fact. And he, this is some, this man is just trying. I've never seen a therapist, a male therapist in a movie try this hard to get his like female this older male therapist laid. he just really wants that for her and i really appreciate that he's got his eye on the ball that is what she needs so bad yeah it like the first time we meet him he's just like you know what we've talked about you need to because she she's still very much grieving you know christopher mcdonald slash robert downey jr spirit and in a way that I mean, grief is complex, and so saying is not, you know, saying whether grief is healthy or unhealthy is a complicated thing, but she has pictures of him inside the fridge, so that's a little weird, right? <laughs> so she's clearly not able to live in the present without kind of torturing herself with his she memory. She says that she has not had sex in 23 years. That yeah. She has not had sex since her husband died in 1964, Bitch, are you kidding? And it's, yeah, and she was young when he died. And I'm not saying that if she was older, it would be better. But, like, it's also not like, oh, they'd been married for 30 or 40 years and she'd had, you know, five kids and she's just tired. It's like, no, she was like a young lady with a baby and she just didn't have sex. And she, like, goes to bed and there's a picture of him by the bed and she, like, feeds the picture snacks. And she again, feeds the picture snacks. It's so bad. And her therapist is just like, you need to stop doing that. Like, you can honor his memory, but you need to open yourself up to love or sex or something. And not like you need to be in a relationship. Just, like, allow yourself that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, the whole time, so it's hard because, like, as much as this whole scenario is disgusting, I want something good to happen for her, but it, but also I, she's got so much skepticism, it's just like, what am I doing with this 23-year-old, which I mean, like, fair, like, I don't know what I would do with a 23-year-old, and I'm 29, I don't want to talk to one. I, I yeah, I mean, like, no offense if you're 23, I'm sure you're fantastic, but your life changes so much in your 20s yeah there's so much growth every single year hopefully yeah i mean hopefully <laughs> that's yeah. the ideal like a, 20, a 23 year old like i remember me being 23 and thinking that i was an adult and like i, I wasn't yeah oh yeah i mean i was very different at 23 than i am now and i mean it's just you there's just certain life you got to live to learn to learn more about yourself and how yeah, to be exactly. and so Sybil Shepard believes when Robert Downey Jr. first tries to tell her that he is actually her husband reincarnated, of course, she's just like this fucking kid trying to fuck me. <laughs> she's like, what the hell? Boy. <laughs> and she's angry. And of course, this is when he's just like moved into their house after that one dinner. Like they've just decided, well, this guy doesn't have a place to live and he's trying to be a reporter. So he'll just live here. And the movie never sells that. It's just like, of course he's here. <laughs> he just because it's just I love that the movie in a way I kind of like it because the movie fully acknowledges this is a rich family and it really doesn't fucking like it won't bother them at all to do this. So why not? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah. They're just like, we have space, we have food, whatever. This guy's kind of weird, you know, maybe we'll lock our doors sometimes, but eh, whatever. So when he, yeah, when he first comes on to Sybil Shepherd, she's just like, 
get the fuck out. And then she's she's going to kick him out of the house. And then he tries to convince her in a very rapey way. He basically like hides in her room and then like jumps on her. I was like, this is so unnecessary. And then he, you know, of course, he ends up revealing something that only he could know. And they kiss and she's just like stunned. And it's like, you know, that's what starts their whole thing. Right. And then the more that they talk and hang out, the more she's convinced, okay, yeah, this is actually, this is my husband. Yeah. Oh my God. And so it wasn't until this, like this exact second. And I I can't believe this as the number one stan of this movie, but this is like, an earlier version of the plot of the 2004 Jonathan Glazer film Birth, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Have you seen Birth? I have not seen Birth. Okay, Birth, I, I, I love that I'm using this podcast. This is what I do. I only create content so that I can make people watch movies they wouldn't normally watch. Like, I would not do it. If yeah, you're like, this is an important part of the process this of podcasting. Of my life. Like, I, may, I, I bullied all of you into watching In the Cut, and I was right. But So, Birth is the story of a woman who <laughs> she, her husband her husband dies while like jogging in central park <laughs> and she is you know so she was in mourning for a bit and then she meets someone else and she's engaged and she's gonna get married and suddenly this child shows up this like i'd like a, like maybe like 12 year old boy or whatever and he's like i'm your husband oh my god no the a 12 year old no yes the whole I'm looking at the description the now. Is this kid just being like, I'm your husband. There's a scene. Um, oh, there's an amazing scene where where she's just where she's just like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm looking at my wife. No, <laughs> no. I'm looking at a photo. I'm looking at a photo from it. And I'm actually screaming. Where he's well, he's holding her face, and I I like want to puke, but also I cannot stop. Like it's so. That's so fucked up. It's like it's just it's it's one of my favorite movies, but it's very like you either have to. I mean, you have to go with with it. Yeah, there's no option. Like unlike this movie, which is a comedy, birth is not. Birth is not. It looks like a comedy. It's not. That's bold of it to not be a comedy. So bold. Like, wow what like honestly props one day. absolutely so i'm so down like props props for deciding to just be serious about it because one of the things that i think makes chances are work in some ways there's ways it doesn't work but there's ways it does is that it doesn't take itself too seriously it knows it's camp it it, it just goes with it and so you're able to go with you're like yeah this is a magical absurd situation with 8 million Freudian concepts woven into it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, uh, man, this, this, this whole episode is now a paid commercial for Jonathan Glazer's birth. <laughs> I, I like the image that I just looked at on my phone of this little boy touching this woman, touching Nicole Kidman's face. Yeah, it's Nicole Kidman. And of course it's Nicole Kidman. I mean, we love her. She, if, she, if anyone is going to commit, it's going to be Nicole Kidman. She is going to give face. And the kid is Cameron Bright, who was kind of like, he, he showed up as soon as Haley Joel Osment became a teenager. And, and Cameron Bright for a while was just doing Haley Joel Osment for a bit. Like he was just playing like weird kids. <laughs> and 
and Birth is the weirdest kid. Though, like, I don't know if Haley Joel Osment would ever, like, say, like, walk up to Nicole Kidman and be like, you're my wife. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think he'd have the range. I don't I don't, I don't think he'd have I the mean, range I mean, for I that. Like, Cameron Bright really, really raised the bar. He's only 28. Wow. Yeah. Like. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm going to have to watch Birth. You gotta watch Birth. It's so weird. It's just Nicole Kidman really having it's it's she goes through a similar journey to Sybil Shepherd except that like she doesn't really get a happy ending like she she still like because she doesn't want to be a pedophile (laughs) I mean that's (laughs) well I'm not gonna spoil the end of the movie oh no it it gets everything gets explained okay um but yeah you know this is I it's I mean but it's very similar Sybil Shepherd is like dealing with her grief but she's doing it in, like, this, like, adorable, like, wacky way. Like, oh, my God, should I fuck the reincarnation of my husband? Or should I pay attention to Ryan O'Neal, who has been here the entire time? This is, like, I'm not attracted to Ryan O'Neal, but, like, Ryan O'Neal was, like, a dish. Like, the ladies. Oh, he, him. yeah, absolutely. Way more than Christopher McDonald. Oh, for sure. So it's just, like, what? <laughs> and he's, like, actually a good he's a good dad. Like he's totally, I mean, he's the godfather of Mary Stuart Masterson in this movie and he's definitely a dad and he, he like cooks and he's just very thoughtful and attuned to the home. And like, he's a great, he's a great guy. And you can tell, even though he's been lying to himself by just being like, everything's fine. I'll never tell her how I feel. And she'll pretend she doesn't know. Um, you know, that's not healthy long term, but he genuinely loves her and he genuinely loves Mary Stuart Masterson in a way in which you can tell like he's fine with just keeping it the way it is if that's what it is. Yeah. So like yeah, her choosing between him, but then also, okay, reincarnation of my husband as a hot but chaotic 23-year-old Robert Downey Jr. That is a choice. Sybil girl. <laughs> It's also just like Sybil Shepherd and Ryan O'Neill became movie stars at around the same time. And they have like very similar, like old timey, like cinema energy. I agree. Compared to like Robert Downey Jr. and Mary Stuart Masterson, who like have very 80s energy. Even now, I look at them and I think about the 80s. Like, I'm never going to stop thinking about the 80s looking at them. So it's just like this whole like generational thing. Like, what if a boomer. Yeah, and a Gen Xer. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's it's a doomed to fail kind of thing. So, of course, I mean, of course, the movie cleans it up. And they do that by, like... In the messiest way possible. Messiest. Oh, my God. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. No, go into it. Go into oh, okay. It. So, you know, I Mary Stuart Masterson is never... Robert Downey Jr. never tells her straight up that he is her father (laughs) because again she's the only character he didn't have memories with before he died so he doesn't really have a way of doing that and he still has this weird 23 year old attraction so he kind of stumbles through everything with her and just like being condescending to her and then like she tells ryan o'neill to try to get with sybil and you know ryan o'neill walks in on robert downey jr and sybil and that's when sybil's like no no it's actually our your friend and my husband reincarnated and of course ryan o'neill's like what the hell are you talking about but there's this whole debacle in court which feels so forced (laughs) like it definitely is a plot device where robert downey jr because you know he was a lawyer before he died he's in court and mary stewart masterson is there for like a school it's like kind of a a school related 
case, it's really not clear. Maybe I didn't pick up on it, but he remembers basically juice on the judge and that the judge got paid off by this like big time criminal. And he like remembers, you know, oh, this guy, you know, he's a big organized crime guy, Benino. And so he ends up getting up and yelling all these facts that he remembers from before he died at this judge. And that's the moment that Ryan O'Neill realizes, oh shit, this totally is him. There's no, he wasn't even alive for this. And Mary Stuart Masterson is like, it's funny because the movie kind of just abandons her at some point. Like we don't really know if she knows what's going on at this point. Like if she, oh yeah, no, she's like just we like, don't know if she knows that that's her dad or if she's just like, wow, this guy I like has a lot going on. <laughs> like this guy I like is just melting down. But then he goes and runs in the street and he like, or he's running and he falls down the stairs and you think that he's gonna die again because there's this whole flash image that's like heaven. But then he's totally alive and he was in a brief coma. And while he's in a coma, Sybil Shepherd has had this moment. She's like hooked up with Ryan O'Neill and she's thought it over and she's just talking to him and she's like, you know, I love you and you're my husband, but people change and grow. And, you know, Ryan O'Neill has been here this whole time. And I just think it's going to be too hard for us to be together with the age difference and the time we spent apart. And so she's basically kind of releasing him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the movie decides that because of that, it's going to have, Oh, oh, so then the, the doctor is there and it's actually a guy from heaven. So Sybil Shepherd is saying all of this yeah. and the doctor is actually the guy from heaven who was going to give Robert Downey Jr. an inoculation. And he inoculates him so that when he wakes up, he doesn't remember his past life, which apparently, according to the movie's logic, that makes it completely chill that he's already fucked Sybil Shepherd. And now he's just going to go be with his daughter because it's fine because he doesn't remember that it's his daughter. Yep. <laughs> Like, yeah. that is the movie's also logic. They're like, like, well, if he doesn't remember that this is actually his daughter, it's totally not weird. And yeah. and I'm like, even if he doesn't remember, even if that's not him anymore, his body, the body that he has used, has now had sex with the mother and the daughter. But even, like, barring that, right? Like, even, yeah. if, even if he had never gotten his memories back or anything, it's weird that he was sent back to Earth in a in a position to as if he was fated to marry his own daughter. Like the fact that that was like basically going to happen regardless. Like so creepy. So strange because like he was brought to meet her specifically. So, yeah. Like they could have just like gone on and had a relationship and he would never have known that that's his daughter. That's so weird. Yeah, basically there's this cosmic chain of events that had to kill him off so he could come back and marry his daughter because he actually created his perfect match. <laughs> so disgusting. It's very weird. But also it's just funny how confidently the movie decides to make this choice. Like the movie's just like, obviously you've gone along with us this far, so you'll go here. And I, like, it's not even that I was that surprised I, because there was a moment where I, I was like, oh, is this happening? This is going to happen. Okay. But it's just the end of the movie is Sybil Shepherd and Ryan O'Neill getting married. And then Robert Downey Jr. turns to Ryan O'Neill and is like, you know, I'm in love with Mary Stuart Masterson. And it's like, 
you know, a callback to the beginning of the movie. And Ryan O'Neill said that to Robert Downey Jr., yeah. a.k.a. Christopher McDonald. And it's like it's a clever way to cap it, especially with the style of this movie. Yeah. But I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the no, shutters. It's just like, are there only just like a finite number of white people for these people to find? Like, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is always whenever it's like a fate kind of thing like this is. I'm just like, how? But there are other people. <laughs> yeah in the world it doesn't have to be these people it doesn't but it is it's like some royal family energy like they're like obviously we got to figure out which family members are going to get with who it is just part of destiny here <laughs> i don't know it's funny like doing this one the week after switch you know because it's two kind of return it's men dying. There's a dead character in each one. Yeah. And we don't see that actor again. And then there's a, you know, reincarnation in one. And I don't e- I wouldn't even call it a body swap because we don't know where Ellen Barkin's spirit ever goes in Switch. Yeah. <laughs> she just, like, appears. <laughs> right. Like, that, that's, that, I didn't even think about that. Like, was Ellen Barkin a person before that? And did, like, was her spirit right. just taken over by this man? And where, where's where did her spirit Ellen go? Barkin? Exactly. Where did Ellen go? Oh, my God. It's like we're watching these actors play other people inside of their body. And it's, it's a wild thing to watch someone try to pull off. And I actually got to say, despite the fact that both switch and chances are ended in ways that were so haphazard because they kind of wrote themselves into a corner with the whole concept. Right. They, they wanted to heighten it and then they're like, shit, how do we come back down? Yeah. The endings fell off, but the acting like a person who is dead, who is now in another body was pretty good in both movies. Ellen Barkin and Robert Downey Jr. did pretty well. Oh yeah, they did it. Yeah. He, Robert Downey Jr. is very good. Like there's a certain like, old-timey showbiz quality to him as well. At least he knows how to tap into it. I feel like maybe 80s actors were better at that because maybe it was, like, closer to their time. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, so... Um, totally. And, you know, Mary Stuart Masterson, she's fucking adorable. She is adorable. She's, so she's such a cutie pie. <laughs> and her and Sybil Shepard are really well cast yeah. uh, for being mother-daughter. Yeah. And I think it's pretty obvious that the movie that people need to watch this week is Birth. Oh my god! <laughs> We're gonna like that. This is the thing we we've never gotten hate mail before. I feel like this might be the thing that gets us hate mail. Me telling people to watch Burr. <laughs> nobody. It's ever, such niche hate mail, though. Everyone is. Oh my god! This is very specifically stop. Stop suggesting these weird indie movies <laughs> that we don't want to watch. And it's like I'm so sorry. I'm not gonna stop until Birth is in the Criterion closet. So I'm gonna go all day. This is your campaign, this and you're not gonna slow down on it. I'm not. I'm not. Like, like finally we get a Criterion release for the piano. So like my list is a little bit shorter because I'm. But I'm still stumping for in the cut, even though it's probably never gonna happen. And I am stumping for Birth. Yeah. One hundred percent. Not stumping for this, though. No, you know. chances are it didn't quite make it. No, um, no. It's a fun watch. I mean, if you want to yeah. watch it as well, it's not one of the movies I would tell people to save their time and avoid. It's it's a fun watch that falls apart in certain areas, has some holes, and ultimately promotes um, incest as long as you don't know that it's incest. But I do suggest, you know, watch some Sybil Shepherd movies, watch some Ryan O'Neill movies, you know, Last Picture Show... Very good. What's up, Doc? 
also great now. I'm just doing Bogdanovich because I'm also going to say Paper Moon. Those are three Bogdanovich films. But like, yeah, you should watch those. One day, and I'm sure the internet will totally blow up, but one day Moonlighting will make it to streaming and we can finally see the move, the, the show that made Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd famous. Um, Absolutely. You would think the yeah, it doesn't make sense are, that it's not still, streaming. Yeah, I've thought about that multiple one of times. The most like iconic television du- like duos in television history, and no one has seen it in decades. Like yeah, it's so weird. It's wild. <laughs> and it's and it's a show from the eighties. Yeah, not even like that long ago. But yeah, watch some old timey movies. Watch some Bogdanovich. I don't know. Watch some. Yeah. Yeah. Just just watch just, some old just watch some old shit. Watch some nice old shit and watch, make watch yourself it. some tea. Make yourself some some spiked cider or some hot cocoa. I you know, mean, we're getting into that season, which is exciting. If you've never seen What's Up Doc, you owe it to yourself to watch What's Up Doc. Yeah. There's just nothing there's no reason why you should not see it. Every single person on earth should watch What's Up Doc. It's great. Would that be your global screening pick? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just if you had like a, a like a mandatory film that the world needs to see. Yes, because it's like it's have you seen What's Up Doc? No, I haven't. Oh my god. See, this is what I mean. This is I need to spread the word about What's Up Doc because it's it's one of the best rom-coms ever. It's one of the best screwball films ever. It's one of Barbara Streisand's best performances, although every Barbara Streisand performance I is mean. the best performance because it's Babs. But like she's so good and it's very much her just being Bugs Bunny. Like there's even a scene where she's like eating a carrot. Like <laughs> I love that so much. Maybe we should do that when you know, next time we hit a wall because we've done five movies that like completely drained us of our lifeblood in a row, we can do a good romance episode with What's Up Doc uh, and that'll help spread the We would need to have a guest too because we got like Madeline Kahn is in it. We need to have like yeah. more we need more comedy voices just to talk about that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. She is incredible. Yeah, so chances are we watched it. You can watch it if you want to, but you don't really need to. I would suggest watch Birth or What's Up Doc. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, per usual, our theme song is by Clutch Douglas, Seattle-based. Wonderful. We always love a review. If you feel like leaving some stars or you want to leave a comment, maybe a nice one. If you don't like us, you don't have to say anything or leave any stars. If you want to become a patron and you're not a patron, we have multiple tiers. We have bonus episodes. We have In the Smut, which is our erotic podcast. We have How I Met Your Mother, all seasons covered. We have OC, which will be putting up more episodes we have so much fun good stuff and thank you so much for listening we love you yes yes we do i'm jordan searles i'm bronwyn isaac bye bye let's dump this drug